Oh God, judge the turtle. You love justice and hate oppression. And you call us to share your zeal for truth. Give us courage to take our stand with all victims of bloodshed and greed. And following your servants and prophets to look to the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. 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 The Psalter this morning comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 80, verse 1 to 2 and 8 through 19, to be read responsibly. Hear, O shepherd of Israel, leading Joseph like a flock, shine forth that you are enthroned upon the cherubim. In the presence of Stir up your strength and come to help us. You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You cast out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered by its shadow and the towering cedar trees by its boughs. You stretched out its tendrils to the sea and its branches to the river. Why have you broken down its wall so that all who pass by pluck off its grapes? The wild boar of the forest has ravaged it, and the beasts of the field have grazed upon it. Turn now, O God of hosts, look down from heaven. Behold and tend this vine, preserve what your right hand has planted. They burn it with fire like rubbish at the rebuke of your countenance. Let them perish. Your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one you have made so strong for yourself. And so will we never turn away from you. Give us life that we may call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord of God. Let your face shine upon us, and we shall be saved. The second lesson this morning comes from Hebrews Chapter 11, verse 29, chapter 12, verse 2. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. 
destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, to, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, regarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you for scaring us to death. (laughs) It's a hard one. There's no doubt about it, but there's also some really good stuff, especially there at the end. So if we look at the reading from Hebrews this morning, here's the climax of this great chapter and section in Paul's letter to the Hebrews. As the author gives us a quick who's who of some of the heroes of faith in the Old Testament. It makes for interesting reading, given some of the names that are listed, and indeed some that are missing and not listed. But what unites them is that they are all women and men who demonstrated faith and accomplished great things, great things with with and for God through faith, you know, through believing in something they cannot see. Our culture today loves superheroes, from comic books to movies and all sorts of paraphernalia. We find many ways to express our enthusiasm for persons, imaginary of course most of the time, who can perform great deeds of courage and strength. And sorry if I left your favorite out, but Wonder Woman, Spider-Man, Catwoman, Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Storm, Black Widow, Batgirl, Batman, the Incredible Hulk and She-Hulk, Iron Man, where's Asher? If Asher was here, he would go, Iron Man! Supergirl and Superwoman, Superman. The list could go on and on. These superheroes, almost always for the sake of, are almost always working for the sake of others and with a sense of high calling, making the world a safer place or something like that. Our culture also loves great athletes and great sports teams. Baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer, lacrosse, swimming, tennis, golf, and all kinds of sports and teams and individuals, those who run the race and compete for the prize and hopefully win. The very best, the gold medal winners, the champions, if you will, are those who seem to have something extra, something mysteriously powerful that lifts them above the rest. Our popular culture holds up these models for us. Some of them disappoint us when they're found to be trying to be better than all the rest by some artificial enhancements or disappointing us in other ways. But for the most part, these athletes are people dreams are made of. They bring us along with them on their journey. We develop great loyalty to the individuals, but especially to the teams. 
Now, shifting back to our lesson, all throughout the Bible, we find people who became instruments through which God displayed God's saving power in many diverse situations. Though they, can, they often found themselves to be on the receiving end of adversity and persecution in the process of being instruments displaying God's saving power. Their lives of faith are recorded to encourage, but also to point forward toward the great Redeemer, the Deliverer, the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. The same Jesus who also himself suffered rejection rejection by the very people Jesus came to save and to serve. But through that rejection, Jesus obtained the full and final salvation, which the Old Testament told us was coming through the prophets. So we find in the lesson from Paul that we have this great and heartfelt appeal here to run with perseverance the race of faith and to fix our eyes firmly on Jesus. Firmly on Jesus, not on the buildings. Not on the monies and programs for ourselves and the denomination and complaining and fretting about that there's not enough money and meetings that seem too long and all too bureaucratic. Stuff that we get bogged down by too often in this church and in every church. But if we find this perseverance to run this race of faith all the time with our eyes carefully fixed on Jesus... It would seem to make good sense then to pick up Jesus' claim that comes to us in John chapter 15. To be, or at least to try to become, the true vine. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. My Father removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, my Father prunes and prepares it to make and bear more fruit. Then God says, you have, been, you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. That's John 15. You see, the Apostle Paul is pointing out that the people of Israel were not only disobedient, but also proved to be both unfaithful and unfruitful. When we look at Jesus as the example and his obedience to God in life and especially in death, Jesus proved to be both faithful and fruitful. Not unfaithful and unfruitful, but faithful and fruitful. One of the keys then to our persevering in faith and bearing fruit for God is to look to God, to rely on God, and to understand that in God we find the true vine to which all of our branches are connected and then flow out into the world, serving God and serving humankind. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer. You see, right here in Paul's letter to the Hebrews, our Redeemer, Jesus, is the pioneer, the one that goes before us and shows us the way. 
But Jesus also gives us examples and inspiration from those ancestors in faith who endured much and accomplished marvelous things all through faith. It was not through their own superpowers or some special power granted only to these saints, but through faith, acts of faith, sometimes not very exciting acts of faith. Through acts of faith, faith in the power of God is through this faith that these ordinary people were able to do extraordinary and amazing things. Through faith, they crossed the Red Sea on dry land. Through faith, they shut the mouths of lions and quenched raging fires. Through faith, these faithful ones, these people of faith have run the race. And now those same faithful people, this great cloud of witnesses, is watching us as we run our race. But our race looks different than theirs. But on the other hand, our race also has many of the same challenges and themes. The long history of ancient Israel set forth by the author of the letter to the Hebrews starts to sound very much like a litany or a great sermon as one example after another is giving of amazing deeds done by faith. And that cloud of witnesses includes martyrs and leaders and prophets and kings and women and men and siblings in the faith who trusted in God and persevered and were led through the worst that life can send their way. A valid question then becomes, what is our relationship with these pioneers of the faith? How does their story fit with ours? How do we work in the faith witness and in the testimony of so many who've gone before us faithfully? Well, I found the answer in Eugene Peterson's translation of chapter 11, verse 40, just one of the verses from the lesson this morning. It's the best application I could find. I couldn't have put the words better myself. He, he, He translates verse 40 as, God had a better plan for us, for you and me. That their faith and our faith, meaning the ancestors' faith and our own faith, would come together to make one complete whole. Their lives of faith, not completely apart from ours. I'm going to repeat that. God had a better plan for us, for you and me. That their faith, the ancestors, and our faith, the current people, would come together to make one complete whole. Their lives of faith, not completely apart from ours. That verse seems to suggest that our faith is not completely apart from theirs. And our faith needs to be as strong and committed and humble and servant-oriented as theirs was. One writer describes it this way. Imagine a race. Imagine a race staggered over time. That no one can finish until the last of the participants has entered. A race that no one can finish until the last of people have entered. What we're seeing here is a clear picture of a cloud of witnesses. The heavenly hosts, the saints of the church that are in and around and all with us. All assembling near the starting line. When When we first see them, we wonder, why are they gathered there? Then at closer examination, we figure it out. They're watching a race. And the race is still going on. 
This race, of course, is not a sprint, but a long-distance one, perhaps like a marathon of faith, or maybe even an ultra-marathon of faith. And this race, it's not for sport or entertainment, but a race with utmost importance. Not the most glamorous race through the best parts of town, but a slow, deliberate race through the parts of town and past the people and the parts of the world that are calling us that way. My professor at Columbia Seminary, Walter Brueggemann, tells us that this testimony matters. It matters to to stay in this truth. It matters to practice this version of life. End quote. The story of amazing deeds of the past, the story of immovable resolve and faithful following of God's will, inspires us today to be faithful where we are, to keep on keeping on, no matter what is happening around us, no matter how things appear, things are still unfolding. How are we going to participate in that unfolding? Are we telling the story and giving testimony about what God is doing right here, right now for us? Are we connecting our story to that of the saints who went before us as well as those who will come after us? Are we working toward move, are we working toward moving forward in faith? while also coming to grips with all that has gone before us, the good and the bad, in a way that does not bog us down and burden us and paralyze us with the past and dwelling in the past and saying, oh, that's the way we always did it, and haunted by all the ghosts of the past, but instead informs us where we are going and how we are going to get there, how we will get there. As we prepare to continue running our race and to continue striving to to be running this race in a way that is pleasing to God, we're told to lay aside every weight and every sin that clings so closely. Well, what sort of things might these represent weights that we need to put aside? Are we carrying guilt, illusions, addictions, selfishness, and greed? Are we carrying too much of our own ambition and self-centeredness? Are we carrying heartache and grudges that could put that we could put down and in doing so lighten our load? Are there things that have happened in the past that could knock us out of the race completely? Are we compromising our interpretation of how we are called to treat others in the way that Jesus taught us? Are we consistent in living and applying the faith we proclaim and affirm on Sunday morning throughout all aspects of our lives? All good questions. But just laying aside whatever weighs us down in the race is not enough. It may not be enough. We're instructed to keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep moving toward the goal, because the goal is Jesus. This Jesus who ran the same route before us and knows it well. This Jesus who set the pace and made it clear that he doesn't expect anything of us, that he wasn't willing to undergo himself. This Jesus who died for us, who rose for us, and who redeems us from all our sin. This is the one for whom we run this race. In the meantime, we live our lives In the church, with other aspiring saints, look around you, there's saints all around you, at least aspiring ones. 
siblings in Christ who share these ancestors and these hopes. While the text tells, takes this long view of things, it will permit us to add at the other end. Because you see, we are a part of the story. We are a part of, of the struggle, our struggle, and our deeds do matter. Professor Brueggemann again, too, speaks of intergenerational mystery of the church. He says, how their lives count depends on our lives. How well they did is, discer- is determined by how, how well we will do. That's pretty scary. I don't know about you, but I get terrified by those kind of statements. Professor Brueggemann finishes strong when he says, what we do decides the quality of their faith. This letter to the Hebrews is written to people in the early church when faith was risky and dangerous. The letter is written to say to the listening congregation, that's all of you and me, everything's up to you. End quote. Please end quote. So how well are we doing in the race? Out of breath? Need water? Ready for oxygen? Stumbled and fell? Got up and continued anyway? Are we ready to keep running? Are we listening? How will I respond? How will you respond? How will we respond? The answer seems to be right in the scripture passage. I do this all the time because it assures me too. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, they're here. I believe that. Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you. 
Now receive these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now and always, and unto ages of ages. Amen.